0: Ability to be here and worship today. You know, it's because of the Lord that we're able to gather. It's because of the Lord that we have a reason to gather. And there's a lot of people around the world that don't have the freedom to gather. They're living in countries where they're experiencing all kinds of persecution. But here this morning, we're just able to freely gather together and worship and sing and hear from God's word. And, and we don't have to worry about anything happening to us. And we don't want to take that for granted. We've been talking about habits that will lead to spiritual growth. And the habit that I want to talk to you about today is the habit of of worship, making worshiping both together and individually just a habit. Michael Mitchell wrote this book entitled Building Strong Families, and here's what Dr. Mitchell wrote. Approximately 90% of what we do every day is governed by the habits in our lives. Listen to that. Approximately 90% of what we do every day is governed by the habits in our lives. I don't know where he came up with that number 90%, but I think he's on to something. It's true. Hey, have you ever noticed the same people are always late and the same people are always early? Most of the time. Because it's a habit, right? It's a habit. Most of what we do is is a habit. We, we start doing the same thing after church we go to the same restaurant we go to the same restaurant sometimes we sit in the same seat it's it's a habit we get up in the morning we do the same kind of things we get in habits and so much of what we do is governed by habits now that's not bad at all if we have good habits and that's what we're trying to trying to get started this year is developing some good habits that will produce spiritual growth in our lives now here we are coming out of covid and uh, it's been hard on every church in america most churches in america are about two-thirds of what they were before COVID. now there's a lot of reasons for that uh, we, we we're an older congregation we had a lot of members die during COVID. Uh, but i'll tell you the, another reason there's a lot of people that just got out of the habit they don't hate the church they didn't get up and have a family meeting and say you know i've really been thinking this through i don't think we ought to go to church anymore They didn't do it. They just just got out of the habit of coming. And when you get in the habit of not coming, it's hard to get back in the habit of coming regularly. Habit. Here's what the Bible says about this habit of worship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. And I want you to notice this phrase as is the habit of some. Now, uh, early in my ministry, it actually was the first church I ever pastored, I really kind of locked on to this verse, and it really encouraged me, because when I realized that they had the Apostle Paul preaching, and they still weren't coming, I thought, you know, I'm doing okay. This is just par for the course, right? Already in the first century, people who had become Christians had gotten out of the habit of gathering together. And it's easy to get out of the habit. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is developing this habit of worship. And I'm not just talking about the worship service. We'll get into that in a moment. Worship is much broader than that. But about being in the habit of constantly worshiping. Now, here's the great thing about this. Uh, one of my kids asked me, said, dad how many sermons is going to be in this series and uh, because you ever feel like you just constantly get loaded down with new and new stuff here's the great thing about these spiritual disciplines that lead to growth is is they're they're not all separate they they begin to work together you know, you don't have to think, well, between eight and eight fifteen, I'm gonna pray. Between eight fifteen and eight thirty, I'm gonna read. Between eight forty-five and you know, I'm gonna meditate. Now what happens is is these things begin to overlap so that prayer and bible reading and worship, they all start becoming things that we naturally do together. I don't know if we got any great athletes here today. We don't have one on the stage, I can tell you that. Uh, when I was growing up, I had a really illustrious baseball career. I played a full season of Pony League, and that's like the first league after T-ball, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't make it into T-ball. But anyway, uh, I was horrible. I really was a horrible athlete. I grew really fast. I was really uncoordinated. I never did. I never really did get control of my body. But anyway, I, was, I grew really fast. I was incredibly uncoordinated. And I remember a poor coach, and, and I had the guy still goes to my home church where I was saved today. He is just a, uh, a saint for working with me. And he tried to teach me. He said, you know, you put your feet here and you hold the bat here and you, your elbow up. And he said, you shift your hips as you swing. And, and like the more he taught me, the worse I got. Because, you know, I was still figuring out where my elbow went when the ball went by. And so I was thinking it through in, in steps. But you know what happens whenever, see all the athletic people think this is really funny. Because I've seen some of you athletic people out there. You know what they do in the, in the college baseball they still do the fundamentals, but it's so natural; it's just like one fluid movement. They don't—they don't think about this, and they don't think about that. It just becomes natural. It just kind of all happens at once. Now, here's the thing about these spiritual disciplines: it may seem really hard at first. Sometimes it seems a little overwhelming. But as you begin to do them, they just become a part of who you are. And so, so you don't have to—you don't have to think about. Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna read so many verses okay what should i say when i pray uh okay what time am i going to meditate today on the scripture as you begin to do these things and they produce a habit in your life they just become natural and you really just kind of do them all together and they all work together in seamless flow and they produce growth in your life but worship has got to be one of these things that that interlocks together with bible study and prayer and other things that we're going to talk about later That actually help us to grow in our in our faith so today we're gonna look at an example of some people that that didn't worship the Bible is very clear about um, where they were in their spiritual life and we're gonna try to learn from that so Romans chapter 1 is where we're at it's Romans chapter 1 we're gonna look at verse 21 so I want to ask you would you just join me in standing as we read this together we're gonna really hone in on this one verse we'll We'll look at some of the previous verses for some context in a minute, but we'll really hone in on what it says here. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be wise. Help us to be people who worship with all of our heart. I pray that we would learn to do the things that bring about spiritual growth and that they would become so habitual that we don't have to plan them, think about them. We just do them regularly, every day. Lord, help us to get to this point in our life for it's in your son's name that we pray amen you may be seated worship worship is the only reasonable response to knowing god now the bible says here in this verse about this group of people it says for although they knew god now that doesn't mean that they knew him in like a relationship kind of way like having a, a saving knowledge of christ we know that from the rest of the chapter, what it says about these people. When it says they knew God, it means they knew God existed. The demons know that God exists, but they don't worship either. And so you can know about God, you can believe that God exists, and yet not not worship God. But when you do come to understand that God exists and, and realize that uh, he truly is God, the, the only reasonable response is to is to worship him. Now, here's how they knew about God. The Bible says in the preceding verses that they knew about him because of creation. So this is what it says in verse 18 of the same chapter. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, you have to have the truth in order to suppress it. For what can be known about God is is plain to them because god has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and here's how they've been perceived in the things that have been made so they're without excuse here's what this passage in roman teaches us it teaches that everybody can look at creation and know that there's a creator i mean the world is beautiful the world is uh, complex the world works in harmony together when we see all of this happening we realize that uh, that, that there's there's design here it's not an accident one theologian said it this way He said if you're walking through the woods and all of a sudden you come upon this uh, beautiful gold uh, um, watch said you know one thing for sure there must be a watchmaker right it's just too intricate and too beautiful to have simply sprung up out of the ground randomly it's the design that leads us to the conclusion that there is a designer so when we look at the world and we see everything that's taking place we 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 know that there there must be a creator and the bible teaches here is that this is how these people knew theologians call this general revelation when we look at the world and we can see things about god and so here's what it says they knew in verse 20 we just read it his individual attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. So we know there must be something much greater than us that created all of this. And that's that's his, his divine power, his power, and his his nature. When you think about eternity, uh, this is this has always been beyond my understanding, which is to be expected because I'm the creation; he's the creator, right? wouldn't expect to fully comprehend everything that he knows but when I think about eternity future I can conceive of that I mean you know tomorrow I'll exist and the next day I'll exist and it just keeps going but when I think about eternity past I just can't I can't wrap my mind around there not being a beginning but yet but yet here we are right here we are then I think that everybody in their life comes to the point that they start to ask how did I get here everybody that's why we have all these theories about about whether it's whether it's evolution or it's other people's religions or it's what the bible teaches us about how we got here everybody being asked this question how did i get here and so that's what romans in chapter one is talking about is that these people can look around at what's made and they know that since there's a creation there must be a creator and the Bible says that that's enough for God to hold us accountable to worship because it says they are without excuse. And so when we begin to understand that there's a God, that the only reasonable response then is to, is to worship him. Just the mere knowledge of His existence is enough to demand our worship and so the prophet isaiah would say about uh, about egypt now now this is long after the exodus but here's what isaiah said isaiah 19 21 and the lord will make himself known to the egyptians Uh, by the way that's the only way we can know the lord is he makes himself known to us even in creation he has made it plain romans 1 says and the lord will make himself known to the egyptians and the egyptians will know the lord in that day and will worship with sacrifice and offering, and they will make vows to the Lord and perform them. So Isaiah was prophesying about a time when the Lord is going to reveal himself to Egypt, and he says when he reveals himself, they're going to worship, because that's what happens when you, when you realize that there's a God. You realize that you're, you're not God, and so therefore you should worship the one who, who is. So what does worship look like? the word literally means to ascribe worth to ascribe worth to something i don't know if anybody here has ever seen the mona lisa i've never seen it that's kind of that's on my bucket list it's in the louvre in uh, paris and if you go there today to see that famous painting I, i suppose it's the most famous painting in the world if you go there today it'll be behind bulletproof glass now i've been to other museums where extremely valuable paintings were there and you could see them there was no bulletproof glass in fact if you wanted to rush the security guard you could have ran up and and touched it and yet it was it was very valuable but 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 not the mona lisa because it's more valuable it's so valuable that they have bulletproof glass to to protect it about six million people a year go through the louvre and look at that painting six million people a year that's a lot of people isn't it it's a lot of people in 1961 they took it on a tour and during that that tour it was insured for a hundred million dollars so i went online to one of these inflation calculators you know inflation money today is not worth what it was yesterday so this inflation calculator and i put in 100 million dollars 1961 and it said that today that'd be worth right at one billion with a b billion dollars Uh, do you know why they insured it for what the equivalent of today would be a billion dollars because they thought it's extremely valuable you see the worth that you ascribe to something determines how you treat it other paintings get maybe just a guard some get just a rope some just get hung on the wall and some are thrown in a crate and they just bring them out every once in a while the worth you ascribe to something determines how you treat it so when you begin to understand that god is the creator he's god when you begin to understand that it changes how you relate to him and when you begin to ascribe worth to him that's what it means to worship god it means to understand who you are in relationship to him and then to act accordingly and so the more we value god the more that we that we worship him and one of the aspects of of worship is showing honor honor notice what it says in that verse 21 for although they knew god they did not honor him as god here's what it means to honor it means, in part, to respond in a way that recognizes God's worth. When I was in high school, my parents took me on a trip to Washington, D.C., and one of the places that we went was the tomb of the unknown soldier. And I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but uh, that was our, I still remember my first time going to the tomb of the unknown soldier, and mom warned me. She said, now, no, this is uh, a very important place and uh you, we can't be talking you gotta be quiet and we fidgeting around and she says there's a guard there and he'll call us out if you make any noise and she was right there is a guard there in fact since 1937 365 days a year 24 hours a day there's been a guard at that tomb and the purpose of that guard is to make sure that everyone present shows honor and respect because the purpose of that place is to show honor to people who died that that we don't even no longer know their identity and if you go to that place and you start talking or you start fidgeting around and distracting people here's what the guard will say in a very unfriendly tone It is requested that all visitors maintain an atmosphere of silence and respect at all times. That's just, that's the first step. If you keep talking after that, it gets worse, but the guard is there to make sure that everybody conducts themselves in a respectful manner because that whole place is about honor. In fact, the soldiers that guard it they are called the honor guard honor the bible says here about these people that they recognized from creation that there was a god but they didn't honor him they didn't honor him whenever we honor god we we respond to him in a way that we recognize his worth in revelation chapter 4 verse 11 it gives us a peek into the future about god being worshiped in heaven and here's what it says worthy are you our lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created now there's a lot of ways to honor god but one of the ways that we honor god is by coming together in worship when we gather for worship It is about God. Many people have forgotten this or they didn't understand it or they get sidetracked and they forget that worship is about us ascribing honor and respect and glory to God. And we begin to think that worship is about us. And so here's what happens. I'll I'll need to to be gone on a trip and somebody will say, well, who's going to fill in for you while you're gone? And they're not asking so they can pray for that person they're not even asking out of curiosity they're trying to decide whether they want to come or not because they a, they want to know am i going to like the speaker is it going to be the speaker i like They get complaints all the time about the music like when i say all the time that's not an exaggeration or a metaphor i mean like nonstop all the time complaints about the music and worship is not about us hearing our favorite song it, that's not that's not what worship is about it's not it's we use the songs as a tool to ascribe worth to god we sing about the glorious things that he's done we sing about who he is and what he's done in our lives we're we're worshiping him it's it's not it's not about us the worship service is about is about him and i I do understand that we need to do it to the best of our ability but worship is about is about him It's, it's not about us and so when you think about this: Jesus, uh, for about three years of his ministry, was based in a place called Capernaum. That's where Peter lived, and uh, Jesus kind of came and went from there. And I, I've been to Capernaum, and the foundations for the synagogue from the first century are still there. So you can still go in exactly where the synagogue is. And uh, every time that I go, it's, it's it's a really moving experience for me because. We know that Jesus was in that synagogue many times. The the house that he stayed in, Peter's house, is is not as far as from me to the back door there from that synagogue. And it was the only synagogue there was there. So we know that Jesus many times was in that synagogue. And, And one time I was really kind of reflecting on that and I thought, because if you read the Gospels, we know what the, the the Pharisees were like. We know what the the church leaders were like in Jesus' day, right? And I was just thinking about how many bad sermons Jesus sat through. I mean, if you don't think they were bad sermons, read the Gospels and read what the people were saying. These religious leaders were saying to Jesus, and yet he was there. He was there. He. That the Holy Spirit gave us the scripture but yet he patiently sat while people that didn't understand it explained it to him here's what the Bible says about this Luke 4 16 it says and he talking about Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and, and listen this phrase this is why I read this verse and as was his custom his custom he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom that means as was his habit his pattern this is what jesus did it was his custom was to be in the synagogue i believe with all my heart if jesus was here on earth today in bodily form he'd be in church this morning that was his custom he didn't need to go Uh, he was the 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 author of the scriptures he is the object of our worship but yet when he was here he went regularly and he showed us what we need to do now this may sound like overly simple but if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus there's no way to follow Jesus and not do what he did and Jesus went to worship constantly the Bible says it was his it was his custom you know going back to the sport i don't i never played any sports but i have watched a little bit and you know whether you're playing middle school football or in the nfl do you know how every play begins with the snap of the ball it's still the same still the same when you're a kid and the coach teaches you to tackle they'll say say, yes you wrap them up you got to follow through you got to wrap them up when you get to the nfl they don't say oh we don't do that anymore Just just barely grab their jerseys they run by. That'll be good enough. No, the the fundamentals are the same. You build upon them, but you don't ever get past them. And the same is true about the Christian life. There's never a time when we say, well, you know, I used to pray, but I really outgrew that. Uh, We may learn how to pray better, but we still pray. We, we never abandon the fundamentals we still read our bible we may have much more context for understanding but we still read our bible and in the same way we don't ever outgrow gathering for worship there's never there's never a time and i don't care how bad the preacher is or how bad the singing is or how cold the building is if you want to worship you can worship you can worship i teach preaching i've heard some bad sermons and you know what, even when I listen to young guys that are just getting started the very first sermon, I can still encourage them. And I can meditate on their text, and I can pray for them, and I can worship the Lord, even in the midst of that. It's not about everything being the way we like it or everything being perfect. It's about our heart and us coming together to serve the Lord. So it's about God. But worship is not just about our, our corporate experience. It's also we worship God individually. And just a couple of ways that we can do that. One is we show honor to God through obedience. Whenever we do what God has called us to do, we are honoring the Lord through how we live. Honoring the Lord. And that's why worship is a way of life. It's not just something you do on Sunday morning for an hour or during Sunday school. Worship is a way of life. And so, you know, when you go to your kids' ball game, people can see you. And they can think, wow, that parents really different. Or you can act like a fool and, and cuss and scream and and, and and everything's unfair and yell at the ref and get ejected from the stands and and people say, Wow, man, those people that go to church, they're just like everybody else. You can go this April and sit down with your CPA to file your taxes and 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 you can say, Well, how can we hide our income and figure out how to get out of paying what we owe? And and when you leave there, the CPL will say, Wow, you know, those people that go to church, they're just like everybody else. Or 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 you can sit down and you say, Hey, be honest as you can be. And say, He said, Well, here's what you're gonna owe. And say, Well, you know, it is what it is. And, and I hate paying taxes, but I mean we owe it. This is the government we live under. When you obey God, you honor God. And it has an impact far beyond ourselves. This idea of obedience, we also honor God through holiness. Holiness is found in two aspects in the Bible. One being set apart for God's service and two, moral purity. And we can, throughout our lives, we worship God by allowing him to use us. We worship by living a life of purity. And so worship is not just when we come together, but it's all throughout the week. And worship of God, it requires giving thanks to him. So notice what it says in the second part of verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Here's why thanksgiving is such an important part of worship. Thanksgiving recognizes God's provision. You you don't give thanks for things that you've done. You don't give thanks for things that haven't happened. But when you receive a gift, you give thanks. Thanks. When someone helps you, you give thanks. And whenever we give thanks to God, we're recognizing what God has done in our lives. And so we come together and we we give thanks to God because we realize that where we are today is because of what God has done for us. Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 9-1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. This is this idea of recognizing God's provision. So when we begin to think through what God has done for us in saving us, in the different ways that he's blessed us, then we begin to thank God for that. Instead of taking credit for it and thinking that we've done something in our lives, we give thanks to God thanksgiving it recognizes our indebtedness to him in psalm one eighteen twenty one it says i thank you that you have answered me and listen to this and have become my salvation some people are not saved because they're still trying to save themselves but it's a gift you just have to receive it and once you've received it and you understand what god has done for you you have a reason to give thanks to the lord And having gone to a service or had a private time of prayer and Bible study, we're, we're, not, we're not finished. We need to develop a habit of that. It needs to be constant. I don't know how you feel about snow. I'm really not a fan. Uh, other than getting snowed in. Don't you love getting snowed in? Especially if you're an introvert. You know, you get to read. If you like to watch TV, you get to watch TV. That's the only good thing about snow is sometimes you get stuck at the house but you know how snow works those tiny little flakes they don't weigh hardly anything but what happens when they start adding up they can collapse a roof because of the weight they they're so powerful together and that's what these habits do one little act of reading the Bible one little prayer one worship service when we keep doing it over and over and over again these habits before you know it we've grown spiritually and hopefully we look back a year five years in the past and we think wow I can't believe how far I've come from where I was and whenever finished not in this life Apostle Paul said he wasn't finished yet it's a journey the goal is to look back next January and say wow That reading the Bible, praying, going to worship, that really worked. Look how far I've come spiritually. That's the goal, is that these habits will add up in our lives and take us to a whole different place together spiritually. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to develop the kind of habits that will draw us closer to you. Make us people that faithfully read your word, people that pray, and, Lord, people that gather for worship. And I pray that we'll be faithful to do these things so that they just become natural to us. God, help us to have the desire to be here, to stir one another up to good works, to encourage one another. And Father, make us humble that whenever something is produced, we'll give you all the credit and all the glory. For it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. I want to tell you why we have a reason to worship do you know when jesus came he came so that you could be saved he came and he paid a penalty for all of our sins that, that's why he's worthy of worship and the bible talks about these people that just saw creation knew there was a god and should have worshiped and everybody's here today we know so much more than that there's people in this room you've heard sermon after sermon you've been in sunday school some of you've read through the bible before we live in a place where we're surrounded oftentimes by christians and whom much is given, much will be required. If the people that just saw creation and knew there was a God were held accountable to worship, I mean, how much more will God hold us accountable to worship him? And so let's develop a habit. It's easy to be in a habit of sleeping in. It's easy to be in a habit of letting other things take priority. But let's develop a habit of worshiping God so that it just becomes part of who we are. Maybe you're here today and you never understood this. If you'd like to receive the gift of forgiveness, all you have to do is ask the Lord. He stands ready and willing to give it to you if you'll just receive it. If you'd like to do that and you're just not sure how, when we sing this song, I want to invite you to step out from your seat and meet me at the front. I'll answer your questions the best of my ability. And together we can call on the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've been a Christian a long time, but you've kind of lost the joy of worship. Maybe you came today out of obligation, you just thought it was the right thing to do. Maybe you came because you didn't want to argue with your spouse about it. I, I don't know why you came. But if that's where you are, I, I understand. I, I've been there. You get up and you think, well, who's going to bark at me today when I go to church? You know, what's, what's going to happen when I go to church? How bad is the sermon going to be? How boring is it going to be? We begin to think about all these things. We forget that it's not about us receiving something, it's about us giving something. We're we're coming to worship the Lord. If that's where you are in your Christian life, I pray today that you'll, you'll find that joy again so that you can get up with anticipation, look forward to being here. Because when we come faithfully, We follow Jesus and we imitate him. And in the most unexpected moments, God will do work in our lives and he'll draw us into him. So as we sing, I invite you to respond to the Lord. Let's stand together.